You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. The British people have had enough of waiting. The time has come to act. People are really angry out there. They're angry that the referendum's not being carried out. But they're even angrier that politicians' promises to them have been broken. Given how huge this decision is for our country, the severe consequences there will be for generations, it is time to put this back to the people and stop this Brexit chaos. We will do everything necessary to stop a disastrous no deal. You are listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Sebastian Salek. Good afternoon. I'm Roger Hearing, and there is a lot to chew over today, Sebastian. There, there really is. In the last few minutes, we've heard from potentially the uh, the Tory expelled MPs and the uh, the Labour, uh, SNP, all of the opposition as well. A little bit of discord there. It's a complicated thing. We're going to come on to it in the second half of the show. But essentially, what it is is a bit of a split within what we're calling the Rebel Alliance, which could, I guess, have uh, implications for Boris. Johnson's chances of getting his deal through, or even potentially, I suppose, getting a no deal through. We're also expecting a judgment from a Scottish court as to whether or not uh, the the Ben Act, which forbids him to take Britain out on October the 31st without a deal, whether that will actually be enforced. Who knows? People even talking about policemen turning up at uh, 10 Downing Street with a warrant for his arrest at some point. That could be interesting. Could get messy, couldn't it? That is the government insisting that the EU must match the UK compromise of this, of course, as that bat and ball continues between Brussels and London. Lots of conversations going on between Johnson and his counterparts. He's going to call his Swedish, Polish and Danish equivalents today to try and build that support. And that's very much our top story today is prospects of a Brexit deal fade. Talk stalling. European leaders casting doubt on reaching that agreement by October the 31st. So where better to be today than in Brussels? So let's head over there. Ian Wishart, Bloomberg's European government reporter, joins us there. Ian, tell us, what's the mood over there in Brussels? Uh, good morning. I think it's uh, actually quite pessimistic. <laughs> it's been for quite a while. Um, there is a sense here that the UK's proposals don't come anywhere near the point where the EU considers them to be acceptable. They've said basically we'll give you another week to talk and negotiate and try to offer something better. But I think there's a sense that nobody really thinks that's going to happen unless there's a major climb down by Boris Johnson and and he and he proposals and he and he proposes things which he said he's not he's not prepared to do. Well, Ian, I mean, it's interesting that we've got uh, the whole thing has been full of deadlines the last few weeks, but the latest one seems to be Friday, put there by President Macron of France and Leo Varadkar of Ireland saying they want progress by Friday. Is this just a way of saying it's not our fault when it all falls apart or is it a genuine deadline? 
No, it's exactly that. They don't want to be blamed. They want to look like they're they're open to to hearing anything that they that they remain flexible. I think as much as anything, the EU just don't want to be blamed for anything that looks like no deal. But they're saying we, this can't go on forever. We can't accept things that breach our red lines. And I think that's where that's a sticking point because the UK's proposals, while they quite why the while the EU welcome them because they they're a start and they were quite serious they don't go anywhere far enough and i think as a starting point they were fine but they doesn't don't seem to have moved on since then and if nothing moves on this week then i think we're looking at um, going into the summit in two weeks time without a deal on the table we had an intervention from the polish side the foreign minister Konrad szymanski urging the eu to seriously consider boris johnson's proposals how much of a boost is that really to the uk government um it's a very small boost, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we, we've heard sort of dissenting voices across the EU throughout the Brexit process, and particularly from Poland, actually, um, who have been sort of the, the, the nicest to the UK uh, in trying to convince the EU. But actually, you know, they are a lone voice, and the EU is stuck to its guns, stuck to its unity pretty well throughout three years. And I think, you know, you are hearing some politicians say, well, we should be a bit more generous, we should show a bit more flexibility, but actually, that's not the mainstream view in the EU. And let's not forget that any deal that is reached has to have the consent of all the EU governments. Otherwise, nothing's going to happen. Well, Ian, on that point, I mean, there was a lot of talk over the weekend. You probably saw it yourself uh, about the possibility that somehow the Hungarians, or the Poles would be prevailed upon by Boris Johnson and would come through to actually veto any extension, which obviously they could. Uh, I, I gather Brussels isn't taking that terribly seriously. No, I mean here they have they have been worried about it. They have heard that sort of speculation. They are worried that that, that might be one of the tricks that the British government tries. But I don't think they seriously believe that the Polish or Hungarian leaders would necessarily play ball simply because they've got so much to lose you know Hungary and Poland get a lot of money from the from the EU from the EU budget and they say why would they put that at risk to, to for, for really nothing that benefits them so I think when it comes to the crunch away from all this politics and of course it's very very fun and very interesting to say that the, you know to look at all these wheezes that Boris Johnson might do but I think when it comes to the crunch when you get the leaders in the negotiating table I think it's more likely than not that the EU will all stick together the EU standing strong then in Wishart Bloomberg's European government reporter. Thank you very much. Let's look closer to home. Joining us here in the studio are Edward Evans, Bloomberg's Brexit editor, and David Merritt, Bloomberg's senior executive editor. David, let's start with you because Boris Johnson is not somebody who I'd want to, uh, f- f- I wouldn't want to face his problems today. Hmm. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation over whether he's playing this one step at a time or whether he has a master plan. Mm. Which one is it? Well, does he have a master plan? Of course, you know, we all know about his um, the person in the shadows, Mr. Cummings. Mm-hmm. We're all obsessed by him. And what is his master plan? And are all these hurdles and all these dramas really just part of the, the grand scheme to drive us towards either no deal or perhaps, you know, this famous election strategy? We're going to get an election at some point where the Conservatives can paint themselves as the champions of the people against the establishment, Parliament, the judges, whoever you like to say, who are trying to block Brexit. So is it part of the Moss plan? I don't know. It's certainly been a roller coaster. It's certainly been chaotic. Um, but, uh, you know, we've heard from the Prime Minister's spokesman just 
this morning, just now, he stood up and said, look, um, we're still going to be leaving. Um, we're getting these conflicting signals. How can we be leaving at the end of this month and still not have a deal uh, that's possible. The government says it's going to obey the law, and we're going to hear from the Scottish court on that this morning. Um, but all the signals are coming out. They seem to be deliberately trying to confuse us. Well, um, it's, it's an interesting one. I mean, Ed, if I can pick this up with you, if um, the, the, the line on, on the Daily Telegraph, often seen as the House newspaper, of course, the Conservative Party, one assumes it comes from a good source, that they will take this to the Supreme Court. Um, not a great place for Johnson in terms of his recent luck, it has to be said, but that they would take it there. But is that simply uh, smoke and mirrors? Is there something they could actually do? Is, do you think this is something they would do? Very possibly something they, they, they could and would do. I think you've got to remember that the Ben Act doesn't actually take no deal off the table entirely. There are circumstances where you could still see Britain leaving without a deal and complying with the terms of the Ben Act. For Johnson, of course, it makes perfect sense now to make the legal threats. There's a huge difference between making legal threats at this point and then actually ending up in court in two weeks' time. Um, Ultimately, what, what does Johnson achieve by doing this? And as David was pointing out, this is all about the election strategy, about kicking up dust for people to look at now so that Johnson can go into that election saying, look, I could have delivered you Brexit. I want to deliver you Brexit, but for those pesky judges, MPs, deleters, appropriate. And the key thing to note is look at the opinion polls, 15 mm. points ahead at the weekend. This is proving popular outside London. So on that election point, presumably it's very important then that if Johnson's going to sign that letter, he's being seen to be forced to have done it. He's got to be seen to be forced to doing it. He will not want to be seen as, mm. as doing this voluntarily. So, of course, you have to be ordered to by the courts. And you know, this is where this legislation in Scotland could almost be helpful to him. Right. In that but space. the interesting point on that, David, is, is getting to that point of the election. Mm. Because we're now, well, the assumption is if election happens, it probably will happen this side of Christmas, but not mm. much. But just, just the sheer mathematics don't allow it by which time, of course, October the 31st will have passed. So either we will be out entirely, which would have a huge implication because there would be no deal, presumably, at that stage. We could be out with a deal, seems highly unlikely, mm -hmm. or we just had the extra extension and moved on. I mean, which of those things will play to Johnson's benefit if there is an election? Well, you know, his big problem in winning this election outright is the, is the Brexit party. Those That's the party that is eating into his vote. So what is the strategy that shoots that fox, that gets rid of that vote? Is it coming out with no deal, with all the perhaps turbulence that is? Is it what Edward was saying? Is it actually well getting being forced into an extension and saying, look, um, vote me in with the majority and we'll have that no deal exit January um, the 31st. The worst outcome for him is probably to go and ask for that extension and then fight. He's staked so much credibility, hasn't he, on saying mm. again and again and again, we are leaving. Uh, do or die or I'll be dead in a ditch by October 31st. If that doesn't happen, how many of those votes for the would vote Conservative are going to hemorrhage to the Brexit party? So that is his calculation. Not an easy one. No. Um, I saw Lisa Nandy speaking to Sky at the weekend saying that she would vote for a deal, but that this particular deal, she calls it a pre-election party political broadcast from the Prime Minister. Assuming we do get something together, and as Roger says, it does look unlikely, can Johnson get Labour on side? Because that's going to be crucial. I mean, it seems unlikely. I mean, I think, you know, you're seeing, we always hear this, don't we? We've had this with numerous of the, of the votes, the, the, the three previous attempts to get Mrs May's deal through. How many of the Labour side are going to come around? We know for certain that the official Labour stance on this latest proposal is no. 
Are there enough Labour MPs scared enough about their seats to come round? It seems, you know, highly unlikely for them to actually turn around. Did you see the scenes? We all saw the scenes of how bitter it's got in the Houses mm. of Parliament. You know, the rage on Labour MPs, people walking out in tears. Are they really going to bail out Boris Johnson at the last minute? Seems very unlikely to me. And Ed, finally and very briefly, there is no way that the deal as it is at the moment could be approved by Brussels. Is that is that a fair approximation at this stage? Not unless there's a but what both sides give way very substantially. You've got to look at customs union and how the, those arrangements will work. You've got to look at how consent and how the Northern Ireland Assembly will have consent. No sign of that at the moment. Let's have a look at what's going on in the papers. I'm looking at John Curtis in The Times. He writes, delivery rather than detail gives Johnson the Brexit edge over May. He's essentially comparing Johnson's Brexit deal and its reception uh, to that of his predecessor, Theresa May. He says what could be crucial is how voters react if the Prime Minister fails to get a deal. He points out that uh, uh, the polls currently saying that this is a good deal, having 27% now. Maid had just 10%, so already he's at an advantage. But then a lot rests, of course, on the Prime Minister's ability to retain that reputation through what could be some very difficult weeks ahead as we lead up to October the 31st. John Curtis, of course, being uh, just about the go-to pollster, pretty much, I think, in the country at the moment. Um, But there's also something from The Telegraph talking about the Supreme Court. Now, that has been their front page lead today. Uh, The prospect of another Supreme Court Brexit drama, citing several government sources, uh, who've told the paper that the Prime Minister is prepared. Uh, One source told the paper the real drama would be if Boris were in court calling it the Surrender Act. He'd almost be happy if the judge said you can't call it that you can imagine the drama that might arise under those circumstances we'll see if that actually comes to pass but let's go back to talking about the issue of the moment and where it plays we talked about what the conservative party what the government might be trying to do but what about the opposition the rebel alliance has been a very interesting development in fact uh, in the last uh, few hours because the rebel alliance as uh, we sometimes call them that's the snp labor the lib dems the greens the snp the um the Plan- Cymru, uh, and of course the 21 rebel MPs from the Tory side, former Tories, have been meeting to discuss options and said they've come up with, uh, well, a bit of disunity, haven't they? Yeah, it's it's looking like they can't quite agree over the path ahead. The, the possible attempt to take over the agenda in Parliament once more, and we had uh, the uh, Labour Party calling for all of their MPs, and the SNP indeed as well, to come down to Westminster to back this. Looks like that might be scuppered. Um, but, but David, just talk us through exactly what they're planning today, because they don't have a lot of time what with this prorogement coming up that's right we've got another suspension a, li- a legal one it seems or one that's going to not be disputed at this point ahead of a queen's speech uh, next week so very limited time but i think that's kind of the key of it i think that everyone at now is sitting back slightly and waiting and seeing what happens over the next couple of weeks we have the crucial european council summit next week and of course you know the the reason johnson doesn't have a majority is because he threw out those 21 of his own side and most of those people are saying they're not willing to really um, vote down the government or to oppose them from office. They want to wait and see if there's any chance at all. We've talked about earlier why this is a thin chance, but if there's any chance at all of getting a deal done. So when we finish with that European Council meeting next week, if Mr Johnson comes back empty-handed, we've then got, I don't know, 10 days or so to go until... Um, Brexit Day, that's when I think you might see again this uh, rather unholy rebel alliance coming back together again with some more concrete plans. Which, of course, the time factor there would be rather crucial because this, this is called the SO24 or something where they, they go in and they basically take control of the business of the House of Commons.
funds from the government. They did it before, of course, famously to pass the Benn Act. But if they can't do that this time, I mean, the clock, we keep saying the clock is ticking, but it really is now, isn't it? It is. I mean, the key dates to watch for October 19th, that's the deadline under the Benn Act, by which Boris Johnson, by when Boris Johnson must seek an extension to the EU talks if Parliament hasn't agreed a deal. And then when Parliament comes back the week of October 21st, that's really the moment that you might see a vote of no confidence in the government. Don't forget that it's also the week the government may itself be finding itself in court uh, over not seeking a delay. That's really, I think, the crunch week for the, for, for any rebel uh, move on the government. But Edward, are they going to be able to agree on anything? Because there's been so much mudslinging. You've got John McDonnell in La Repubblica uh, talking about the, uh, the the need for Corbyn as a leader here. Joe Swinson saying Labour, of course, clearly uh, want no deal. So much going on here. I think if they could, they would have done much earlier than now. There's clearly a problem here that Swinson does not want Corbyn to be running any kind of caretaker government. And then if not him, who else would run it? Um, Time, though, and deadlines tend to focus minds somewhat. And you might see some movement uh, before October 31st. But David, I suppose the point in all this is, uh, you know, you look to whose advantage is any of this? Uh, like like a famous murder, Cui Bono, who gets out of this? And of course, the SNP mm. have an agenda. I mean, mm. they're the well, a very, very big force in, in the House of Commons. Um, but their agenda extends well beyond Brexit, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. Of course, they're, um, you know, they we all know what their main aim is as a political party. It's independence in Scotland. And it is extraordinary, isn't it? They could come together with Labour. You know, they, they're mortal enemies in Scotland, the S&P and Labour. They've been at each other's throats for years, if not decades. And you know, the idea that they would have a common purpose in this really is the root of the problem here. You've got people across the House of Commons whose interests do not convene, even when it comes to Brexit. Because actually, the cause of Brexit, while the SNP have firmly said against it, it's not doing them any harm at all. First of all, domestically, you know, they lost many seats to the Conservatives back in 2017. Polls are showing that when this election comes, they're going to win all of those back. So they're going to have a full house again of seats. And why? Because of the Brexit debate. So, you know, everyone's um, advantages are going in different directions here. That's why it's going to be so hard for them to come together, to come up with anything to stop Mr Johnson in his tracks. Well, what about Corbyn? He's the one who's saying he wants to be the caretaker prime minister. Why should he take the flak? Why would he want to take the flak for delaying Brexit? Isn't that politically toxic? Yes, well, the Labour position on this has been very, um, you know, very confusing. You know, Mr Corbyn has tried not to take the blame for anything. He's done the ultimate act of fence-sitting, hasn't he, throughout this. Tried to equivocate, but, you know, he's suffering for it. Look at the polls. You know, they are at historic lows for the Labour Party because no no one can understand what his position is on this. You know, this idea of renegotiating a deal and then campaigning for what the party wants, not, you know, maybe campaigning against your deal that you've negotiated. I mean, everyone is scratching. It's actually laughed um, at when people discuss it. So it's not working very well for him at the moment. And of course, he's a lifelong Eurosceptic, but he's leading a party almost exclusively of Remainers. So he's as foxed by this as, as by anyone. And, and Ed, was it, it's interesting because there's actually a group within the Labour Party still, uh, Stephen Kinnock and others, and some outside, who are going for a deal. They're almost running a party outside party boundaries in a funny sort of way, saying we need to find a deal, not necessarily Boris Johnson's deal, but a deal. But a deal, and I think that just shows you how Brexit has cleaved across party divides. I mean, both the Tories are split and Labour are split. It must be said that this group within the Labour Party are very much a minority and are certainly not wedded to Boris Johnson's deal. Uh, and there's a huge difference between saying you're wedded, to, you want a deal, uh, and then saying, OK, we want this deal, that's on actual deal that's on the table now. It's a very easy thing to say. 
And I suppose the problem with it also is that if you get some sort of deal um, that you've then in some way got to get it past the House of Commons, where you don't have the votes, and if there is an election, are you going... <laughs> would Stephen Kinnock be standing on that? Would he be standing on what on what Corbyn has said? I mean, none of this is clear, is None it? of this is clear. Even his support for the leader, uh, Jeremy Corbyn, is unclear. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a very difficult position that they're in. Uh, but your point on the extension is important because that is where, if you get, if we get to October thirty first with an extension in place, that's the moment that we might then see an ele- a, a general election and the country go to polls, and that's really the one way to to resolve this stalemate in Parliament: an election that changes the numbers one way or the other. But would we get? the numbers for an election necessary. There is a big group within Labour who don't see the benefit of doing that so soon. I think Corbyn has actually said he wants to see an election this side of this side of Christmas, and I think there are a great many in his party. And on, you know, if, if the Tories push came to shove, would would, would come to it. Um, the, the the problem they've got is for both sides. If they if they need to get this issue dealt with, there's no way it's going to be dealt with on the current parliamentary arithmetic. It's Parliament is effectively deadlocked. David, what about the Lib Dems in all this? Because mm. there's a sense they have gone. They they were came out of their conference saying we are against. Brexit. We mm. just don't want to leave. Full stop. Um, and many people thought this is this is a winner for them because then unequivocally anyone who supports Remain mm. would have a natural home, which they don't anywhere else. Mm. Pretty mm. much. Uh, have they benefited? Well, it's interesting. There was an interesting poll over the weekend showing. Now it's just one poll. This one, so don't maybe read too much into it, but showing their support actually falling off again a little bit. It had been up in the mid twenties, now down to around fifteen on the this one. Could be an aberration. This, but what their their support doesn't seem to be going through the roof and capturing the the forty eight percent of people who voted to remain or anyone who's changed their mind. And you know that gamble, people are criticising it, saying, well, you know, maybe even if you did vote remain in twenty sixteen, you still believe believe in British democracy and that there's a mandate still from that referendum. And the idea that you could win an election, which you could, by the way, win here on 35%, you could get a majority, that that was enough to scrub out that vote. That has got a few people sitting back and saying, "Mm, I'm not sure that's the right strategy. Look, but what it has done, it certainly made the strategy clear. And that is the point when you've got Labour, as we were just saying, in such a fug and really chasing its tail on this question, the Liberal Democrats have got a clear message. And they've got a young, dynamic leader in Joe Swinson. But at, at the moment, I have to say, it doesn't seem to be cutting through with the voters. But it's also an identity for the party that it's been lacking for a long time in that now they can identify themselves as the pro-European party in British politics. There's a space there for them. It's a space for them to occupy and it gives them something to, to pin the party to, which they haven't had, for, as I say, for a number of years. Could they end up becoming the whipping boys, though? Because arguably they're the ones standing in the way of some sort of government of national unity. They're the ones saying we don't want Corbyn. And if no deal happens and they have failed to act in that respect, could they become a target, David? Well, I think think that is possible you know all you know everyone's trying to avoid the worst outcomes of this or at least the blame for it whether it's the eu whether it's mr johnson's uh government or whether it's the different parties you know they're all trying to dodge what could be the worst outcomes for this but there are so many moving parts and this is what's extraordinary about this process no one knows who's going to get caught ultimate in the crossfire if and when this thing actually happens finally let's just a very quick thing ed do you think there's any possibility that boris johnson can get a deal through on any of the timetables that are currently available? 
not on an October 31st timetable. I think even if you got agree, even if there was movement and the, the EU leaders agreed to it, and we got to the end of the week. Yes, there's a deal on the table that there could be discussed. You'd still actually have to have an extension to get the various points of the deal screwed down uh, in time. So you would not; th those would not be ready for October 31. So there would have to be a technical extension of some sorts, and that's on the best case scenario. David? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the amazing thing about this, hasn't it, is there have been throughout three, how long have we been talking about this? Three years. All options still have remained on the table over the two previous deadlines. And, I, you know, we're 24 days away. And the same thing is true, you know, um, no deal, deal or remain. Who knows? Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.